0: the Miracle Word Podcast, we believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Hey, what's up, everybody? Ted Shuttlesworth back with you on the podcast again today, and uh, very happy to be back. Uh, I am excited about today's podcast. Very honestly, I'm looking forward to sharing this with you because this is something that's going to help you in a massive way. Um, As you saw from the title, I'm going to be talking about five dangerous giving mistakes that cancel your harvest. And um, without a doubt, you know, everybody should want to be blessed by God. Everybody should want to increase because that is God's plan for his children is to increase them, to bless them. And uh, so today we're going to deal with this in just a moment on five dangerous giving mistakes that cancel your harvest. And these are way more common than you would actually think they are. Um, I know the people that listen to this podcast, uh, for the most part, you're very... Uh, mature believers, the people that I know that listen to this podcast, and uh, it might seem like some of these like, how I don't do that. But you would be so surprised at how many people across the United States of America and around the world are making these mistakes. And as a result, it's keeping them in a place where uh, God cannot bless them. Uh, So you're going to want to stick around for this. It's going to be a good one today. I'm just back. uh, 21 services in 18 days. Carolyn and I just got back home um, and I leave again tomorrow morning, headed to Ohio and then to North Carolina before we go to New York and Toronto. So I'm excited. God keeps opening doors and we're running through. It's been a phenomenal year already. Um, been all over the world, literally in the first six months of the year. And uh, it's awesome to see all the souls being saved, people being changed by the power of God. I'm thankful for God opening up the doors and um, we're doing everything we can knowing what kind of a time we're living in. Jesus is coming back very soon and um, we're, we're working working to see lives change before he comes. And so uh, thank you, by the way, for praying for me and Carolyn. Thanks for standing with us and uh, just keeping in touch with all we're doing. We love and appreciate all of you that are connected to this ministry. And uh, we really appreciate your prayers and your giving and uh, just you staying in touch with us means a lot. And uh, and we love you. Listen, take a minute before we jump into this, share the podcast episode with somebody today. This is gonna be one that will help people, uh, increase. I mean, without question, this was going to help people increase. I, I be to be honest with you. I I'm very surprised when I I preach stuff like this and I have people come to me afterwards and like, you know what? I've never heard that. I've never heard that said before. I've never heard that preached before. And, um, I'm just, I'm blown away by that, but it also saddens me because it's the same thing is happening now that was happening in the old Testament. Uh, where God spoke and said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The reason people are being destroyed is insufficient knowledge. You know, the Bible says in uh, John eight you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the reason that we do these podcasts and Miracle Word Radio and the um, albums we release and Miracle Word University is because in these final moments of time, The Bible actually teaches that there would be a drought of the word of God, that people would have itching ears, number one, and would only uh, gather to themselves teachers that will preach what they want to hear. And then there would be preachers that would just not preach the truth and that would deny the power of God. These are prophetic things that show you we're living in the final moments of time People will have a form of godliness, but deny his power. So we take as much time as possible to put content in your hands so that your faith will be built up so you can receive what God has planned for your life. So thanks for tuning in again today. I really appreciate it. And let's go ahead and jump in. This is five dangerous giving mistakes that cancel your harvest. Five dangerous giving mistakes that cancel your harvest. This entire podcast is dealing with how to properly give to God so that your harvest will be ensured uh, in every case where you give and every every time where you sow something into the kingdom of God, it will always be met with a return or a harvest. So I'm going to give you these five and I'm going to give you scripture to go with them and explain what I mean by them. And uh, it's definitely going to open, open up your understanding. Number one. The number one uh, dangerous mistake in giving is that people do not tithe, in which case, by the way, you're not giving anything to God. <laughs> and, I've, and and well, let me explain what I mean by this. There's people that'll come to me and they'll say, you know, Brother Ted, I feel so good about this. We, were able, we gave God last year 8% of our income. Well, if you gave God 8% of your income, you didn't actually give God anything. In fact, let me just be very clear about this. There is no giving of a free will offering uh, until you've reached the ten percent mark, the tithe mark. You know, we that's why we we don't give our tithes to God. We the, we pay our tithes to God. In fact, if you missed this, uh, just last week on Facebook Live, I did a series Monday through Friday that was entitled How to End the Struggle, and on Friday, which is still on our Facebook page, on Friday, I dealt with the subject How to End the Financial Struggle. And I'm not going to take all the time today in the podcast to do this, but I dealt at pretty much at length in the Facebook Live session with the subject of tithing, what it means, what it is. Um, It's not something that was done away with after the Old Testament came to an end. Jesus did not become the ultimate tithe on the cross. It is still something seen in the New Testament. Jesus affirms it in the book of Matthew. Uh, The writer of Hebrews is still discussing it in Hebrews chapter seven. It's something that is... Still in effect, it actually was in effect before the law of Moses was ever given. Abraham paid tithes, Jacob paid tithes, and even before Abraham, there was always something reserved for God. Adam was given the garden and had to work to tend the entire garden, but there were trees in the garden that were reserved for God and not for Adam and Eve. So you understand that even though he had to still work to maintain those trees, He did not get to eat any of the fruit that came from those trees. It was reserved for God. Noah was the same. He had to work to tend all of the animals that came onto the ark, but when the ark came to rest on Mount Ararat and the waters receded, Noah built an altar to God and had to sacrifice some of those animals to God as an offering. So he had to work to maintain them, but didn't get to eat them or enjoy them for himself. They were actually reserved for God. And tithing is something that is still very much in effect today. And when people tell me, well, I gave 8% of my income to God. Well, you didn't give anything to God. You know, 8% doesn't even reach the tithe mark. 10% is the amount that we pay back tithes to God. And by the way, tithing does not provide the blessing of God upon our lives. It just puts us in position to be blessed by God. It doesn't, it doesn't actually bring a blessing. It actually just puts us in position to be blessed. Where the blessing actually is initiated is in the offering that's above and beyond the tithe, the offering unto God that's above and beyond the tithe. So when people tell me, you know, I, I gave God 7%, we gave God 9%, it's a dangerous thought process to think like that because what you, I mean, imagine it this way. You know, if I was, um, let's say, for example, I lent you, you really wanted to try out, you know, let's say, you know, you never owned a video game system and I lent you an Xbox one, uh, with some games and I let you hold on to that thing for even six months. And, uh, when it was time you gave it back to me, but you wrapped it up, you put it in a box and you wrapped it up in wrapping paper and you wrapped all the games in wrapping paper and gave them back to me. And I opened it up thinking, you know, I was getting a gift when I open it up, it's my Xbox with my games that I let you have. Well, you're not giving me a gift. You're not, you're not blessing me with anything. You're just returning to me what is mine. And that's exactly what the tithe is. We're not giving God anything. We're returning to him what is his. I'm not giving him something that was previously that was mine and that now becomes his. It's something that's always been his and I'm returning it to him. So when we talk about the tithe. A dangerous mistake people make is thinking that any amount of money or any amount of anything that they give to God is sufficient. You know, that is a massive mistake. God has an order in His Word that He, you know, commands things to be done. If we want to be blessed by God, we don't choose how we're going to live and do things and then demand that He blesses us. He's God. He instructs us through his word how we're to live and then we obey those instructions and then our blessing comes. So, you know, if people think that they can just, you know, if there's any, they can do anything they want, you know, for the kingdom of God and expect overwhelming blessing to come back, it doesn't work that way. You know, it does not work that way. And I don't have time to get into tithing as a whole or talk about even the percentage of tithers in the church, which is if you looked it up, you would be like blown away. To see how few people actually tithe consistently and faithfully. It's something like 8 to 9% of the church, maybe a bit more now, but 8 to 9% of Christians in America are carrying the other 90%, 91% of Christians in giving. You're building a rat ship here. Churches are sustained in America by about 9% of the believers in America and around the world. Crazy statistics, but it opens my eyes to see why more people are not blessed or walking in the blessings of God uh, daily. It's because they refuse to do even the basic thing. So understand when I'm talking about tithing, this is the basic thing. This is not like, wow, if I could just get to 10%, I've really, you know, no, it's basic. This is what baby Christians should be doing. It's extremely basic and it does not bring the blessing on your life. It only positions you to be blessed. So let me just say that you can't just give anything to God and expect the blessing to flow into your life. You've got to do what he commands you to do through his word. And I'm the same. I'm always trying to see what does God want me to do? Not just in his written word, but his spoken word. When he speaks to my spirit through the Holy Spirit. See, those are instructions that we also have to follow. So number one, the first dangerous giving mistake that cancels your harvest is not even reaching the tithe mark in your giving. Not even reaching the tithe mark in your giving. Looking back over the year and you didn't even hit 10%. And by the way, let me just give you a little um, addition here. It's not 10% of your net income, it's 10% of your gross income. What do I mean by that? Well, let's just say, for example, very basic example. Uh, let's say you made $100 on a paycheck and the government took 20% of that, whatever, and all you got back uh, when you went home was $80. Well, you don't put $8 tithe into the offering, you put 10 because that was all your money that you made, but you paid the government 20%. And so you don't give God less because that's all that you brought home. You give God tithes on the total that you made from your job. And a lot of people make that mistake, but it's important because you don't want to get to a a position where you have more respect for the government than you do for God Almighty. So what we give to God is a tithe of our gross income and not our net income. That was for free. All right, number two, the second dangerous giving mistake that cancels your harvest is giving because of manipulation or pressure. Giving to God because of manipulation or pressure. Let me read to you what Paul the Apostle said to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 6 through 8. Listen to this. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but a farmer who plants generously will get a generous crop. Verse 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Actually, let me stop right there with verse seven. Uh, You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. There's a few things that I want to tell you on this that'll open your eyes um, in this second point. Don't give reluctantly. Obviously, that should be that should be a, a given. You know, we don't come up to the offering plate and, and and give because we feel like it's our duty. It's like, oh, I can't believe I have to do this again. No, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. You are excited to do it, glad to do it. But also, this is a massive one. Don't give in response to pressure. Don't give in response to manipulation. This is a massive point, and I'm going to show you why from Scripture. When I started studying this uh, passage in a deeper way, I saw, and I would, I'll read many times. I'll read passages in, in you know, fifteen to twenty different translations, just to see what all the different translations are are doing in their rendering. When I came across this translation in the New Living, um, it says in quotation marks, "For God loves a person who gives." cheerfully. Now, I I was like, I had never seen that before. So I'm like, whoa, Paul is actually literally quoting someone here. And I never saw that. You don't see those quotation marks in any of the other translations. So I'm looking back, I'm like, man, Paul is literally uh, quoting somebody. And I searched all through, couldn't find it. I should have just looked at the um, footnote at the bottom of the page. Um, Paul is actually And let me give you a little background on this. Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthian church and has with him a copy of the Greek Old Testament, which was called the Septuagint. The only reason it was called that is because 70 scholars, septa meaning 70, 70 scholars translated the Old Testament from ancient Hebrew into the Greek language. And that's the Septuagint. It's the Greek Greek Old Testament. Basically, it was translated from Hebrew to Greek. Paul was carrying a copy of it around with him as he's writing these letters uh, to the churches, and scholars have proved that because of things like I'm, what I'm getting ready to show you right now. There are passages throughout his letters that are actually can clearly be seen they were taken from the Greek uh, Septuagint version of the Old Testament, which this one was as well. And Paul says, in in quotation marks, God. Loves a cheerful giver. Well, what he's actually quoting that I couldn't find was Proverbs chapter 22 and verse eight in the Greek version. And when you read it, the footnote, it says the Greek version includes an additional proverb. Listen to this. This is what Paul was quoting to the Corinthians. The Bible says, God blesses a man who gives cheerfully, but his worthless deeds will come to an end. Now, I want you to see this with me because here is a contrast between two types of giving, which is why I'm giving you this. This is huge. God blesses a person who gives cheerfully, but his worthless deeds will come to an end. So we know that the system of seed time and harvest is a never-ending system. The Bible says in Genesis 8.22, As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. So this is God's system that he created that never ends. As long as you're engaging in seed time and harvest, which obviously here, one of the prerequisites is cheerful giving. Let me say that again. Cheerful giving is a prerequisite to keep you in the system of seed time and harvest. Because one, now this is huge. Catch this, please, please catch this. If you step out of cheerful giving, and jump into giving based upon manipulation or pressure, as Paul warns against in Second Corinthians nine, if that becomes the basis in uh, of which that you're of which you're giving, manipulation or pressure, notice what it does. It steals the joy and cheerfulness from your giving. Anytime you're manipulated into something or you're pressured into something, you're not happy to do it. You're not full of joy that you have to do it. You got pressured into it. You got manipulated into it. And notice what Paul said. It steals the joy. And here's what it says in the book of Proverbs. God blesses a man who gives cheerfully. Now here's the flip side. But his worthless deeds will come to an end. What do I mean by that? Once the joy of your giving is stolen from you, once the joy of your giving is stolen from you, it turns your seed into a worthless deed. Let me say that again because this is so huge. Once the joy of your giving is stolen from you by manipulation or pressure, it turns your seed into into a worthless deed. And the Bible says that your worthless deeds will come to an end, which means that you've now stepped out of the system of seed time and harvest and into a worldly, earthly system that there is no harvest promised, meaning your seed just got turned into a donation. Your seed just got turned into a donation. There's no harvest that comes back on donations. There's a harvest that comes back on seed. And it steals the joy from your giving. And then now let me show you the final part of this. The reason that it uh, causes your blessing to come to an end or actually causes your seed to come to an end, this is found in the book of Joel, the prophet Joel, chapter one. I'm going to read this to you. Listen to this. This is going to blow your mind if you've never seen it before. Joel chapter one and verse 12. The Bible says the vine is dried up and the fig tree languishes and the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree, even all the trees of the field are withered because joy is withered away from the sons of men. So do you see what the devil's trying to do here? He's trying to steal the joy of your giving so that he can go into your harvest field and cause your harvest to wither before you have a chance to reap it. It Causes your seed to die. That's why Paul's warning them. He's actually taking an offering from the Corinthian church, and he's warning them, as you're giving, don't give in response to pressure, and don't give reluctantly. God's looking for cheerful givers. He's looking for people that are happy to do it. Happy to do it. People that love to do it, not people that feel that they have to do it. God loves a cheerful giver. And I'm telling you there are so many opportunities to give in response to pressure. People are pressuring people all over the place to give. I mean it's it's all over Christian television. If you watch it, it's all over. I've been in services where there was tons of manipulation and pressure to give. You know. Now, and I'm going to give you a caveat, a caveat at the end of this point, so stay tuned for that. But listen, and that's an exception to the rule. What, what I'm going to tell you is this: you, if you turn on, and I'll tell you it happened to me. And this will this will help me jump into number three. But you jump on television, watch these. There's there's somebody leaning into the camera. I feel today, every person watching is supposed to sow a sixty nine dollar offering for you know for Psalm sixty nine. There's always this manipulation. Every per, I actually heard. I'll give you an example from my own life. I actually heard a preacher say on television, he was like, every person that gives a $66 seed today, there's a six-month healing anointing that's coming upon your life. And it's just total manipulation and falsehood. There's no offering you can give that secures your physical healing. The blood of Jesus and the stripes that he took upon his back did that already. There's no monetary offering that you can sow to purchase healing from Jesus he paid it already and gave it to you as a gift for salvation. So these are manipulations. These are pressures that people try to put on other people to get them to sow a seed. And believers do it because they don't know any better. Lack of knowledge. They're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Paul said clearly, do not give for these reasons because someone's manipulating you, because someone's pressuring you. I actually was in a service. They like Belabored this offering for like an hour and a half. I can't remember where I was. And these these people sit there, sat there on the microphone, and literally a guy went around the church, asking every person like confrontational style style, requesting how much are you going to give? Like asking people directly in front of the congregation. Now how much are you going to give? What did you write your check for? A hundred dollars? You can do better than that. You telling me you can't give two hundred? Give two hundred, and then didn't stop there. Actually went to every child, like literally went to every child. Now how much are you going to give? What are you going to give in this offering? Just ten dollars? Sneakers you have on are worth more than that. You can't give more than ten dollars. I want you to give thirty. You know, going around the church, manipulating and pressuring everyone—it steals the joy. It steals the joy of giving and turns your seed into a worthless deed. Turns it into a worthless deed. You know why? Because if that guy wouldn't have uh, pressured you like that, manipulated you like that, you wouldn't have given it, which means that it wasn't coming from your giving heart to God. It was coming from a man's pressure and manipulation. Now, here's the caveat that I told you I would give you, the exception to this rule. I'm not saying that every time if a man of God mentions a number or says an offering amount or something that he feels, I'm not saying that he's wrong. That actually happened in the Bible. You know, you go to the Old Testament and there were prophets and uh, they would actually tell people, you look at, you know, the woman who had nothing. She was ready to eat her last meal and die, 1 Kings chapter 17. And he said, no, I'm going to tell you what to give to me first as an offering. And basically told her exactly what like, Make me cake first, get me stuff first and then you can do the rest. Told her what to give. But here's the. Then listen to what happened here. When the prophet was spoken to by the Spirit of God to go to that woman, the, the Spirit of God said to him, there's a woman in this place that I've already spoken to to sustain you. So God, especially in the New Testament, God never works independently of you. He doesn't have to. You have a spirit that can hear his voice because you're united with his spirit. God doesn't have to only speak to you through others. He can, he can, but he also confirms it in your spirit. He'll confirm it in your spirit. And so if there's something that's said to me or instructed to me or, or, or somebody's led to say something, I don't mind that. I check it with my spirit. You know, I am filled with the Holy Spirit and so are you. I check it not with my flesh, with my spirit. If somebody stood, you know, if I had a guy come to my door right now and said, the Lord just spoke to me, you're supposed to give me $100,000. Well, I'm not just going to say, well, that's wonderful. Let me get my checkbook. No, I'm going to, I'm going to say, well, let me see what the Holy Spirit's saying to me. Is he leading me to do that? Is he saying that I should be doing that? If he is great, I'll do it. But if he's not, I'm not going to let somebody uh, manipulate me out of money because of something that they said they heard God tell them. As my father has preached for years, God does not have an unlisted phone number. You can call him for yourself. You can speak to God for yourself. The Holy Spirit lives in you, and so he can speak to you as much as he can speak to anyone else. So you're led by the Spirit, but you're not giving in response to pressure manipulation, which leads, leads me to number three. The third dangerous mistake that cancels your harvest is that you are giving something to God that means nothing to you you're giving something to God that means nothing to you that's why I got so mad when I was watching that um, preacher on television who said every person that calls in today and gives $66 I actually sat back and thought to myself what if I did that what if I called up and gave $66 to this guy not that I'm giving it to a person any giving we do goes directly to God but you know, let me think if I actually did that. And I thought to myself, that's ridiculous because number one, it, it it means nothing to me. It literally means nothing to me. And I'll show you how I know it means nothing to me. I've spent $66 in the drive-thru at Taco Bell. <laughs> I mean, literally, that's how I can tell you that $66 means nothing to me. And you have to know and I'm not saying that everybody's on the same level because they're not. Everyone's at different levels. Everyone's at different levels. That's another reason why, you know, you can't make a blanket statement about how much everybody's supposed to give. You can't get up and say, every person in here is supposed to give $1,000. What if you got people in there that they only have, literally, if they gave $1,000, they'd literally have to steal it from, you know, Walmart, the cash register, going with a ski mask and a gun to take the money. Other people... Now, here's the other part of it. Other people could give $1,000 and it not even phase them. They wouldn't even miss it. This is the point I'm trying to make. Everyone's at a different level. And so you cannot give God something that means nothing to you. That will keep you from receiving a harvest, giving God something that means nothing. Let me read to you 2 Samuel 24, verses 21 through 25. This is a story of David getting ready to give burnt offerings unto God, to atone for the, the sins that he had committed against God. And the Bible says he goes to Arana, who has a threshing floor and oxen. And this is verse 21 of Second Samuel 24. Arana says, why have you come, my Lord the king? And David replied, I've come to buy your threshing floor and to build an altar to the Lord there so that he'll stop the plague. Verse 22, take it, my Lord the king, and use it as you wish, Arana said to David. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and you can use the threshing boards and ox yokes for wood to build a fire on the altar. Verse 23, I'll give it all to you, your majesty, and may the Lord God accept your sacrifice. Verse 24, but the king replied to Arana, no, I insist on buying it for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. And David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord answered his prayer for the land and stopped the plague uh, that was on Israel. There's a principle here. You can't give God something that means nothing to you. And that's what David was saying to Arana. That's why he said, I'm not just gonna take the stuff from you and then give it to God. It means nothing to me. It costs me nothing. I'm not going to do something that means nothing to me and then give it to God like it's some great offering or sacrifice. Blows my mind. You know, you go to churches, there's people that literally will crumple up a $5 bill, $10 bill, and put it in an offering plate. Like, I haven't done that since I was like seven. I mean, think about that. Think about giving God a $5 bill as a full grown adult. Imagine God, giving God a crumpled up twenty dollar bill as a full grown adult. I mean, it's reprehensible. It's pitiful, but people do it. People do it all the time, and they, they sit back and like, I don't know why God's not blessing me. I mean, seriously, don't know why God's not blessing you. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, I, I see, I get like, I get, I see that stuff and get irate. I take a flame through to this place. Because, you know, people don't even understand how God operates. <laughs> you tell them, Al. I mean, seriously, giving God something that means nothing to you. I think about my daughters. You know, my daughters aren't old at this point nine and five. I would never, you know, come to my daughter and be like, I've really got something for you today. What is it, daddy? Oh, I've really got something for you today. Uh, It's this and they wrap and they unwrap it and in there it's a gift card holder with a gift card for five dollars even ten dollars. You know, it's like that's my daughter. She means way more to me than a gift of five dollars or ten. You know, I can't imagine like her birthday coming up be like I'm going to give you ten dollars because you turn ten. It's like that's ridiculous. And that's a ten year old girl. And we're talking about giving something to the master of the universe. We're literally talking about giving something to the creator of heaven and earth. And you know it doesn't mean anything to him because it means nothing to you. And I'm not saying God's impressed with any amount of an offering. He literally stands on streets of gold, his throne, you know, sitting on his throne, looking at gates that come into heaven that are made out of one pearl. He's sitting in the most opulent place in the universe. I'm not saying that God's impressed by your offering amount. I'm saying God's impressed with his children. He It blesses him to see you trust him and do something that's meaningful, that's sacrificial to you. That's why I'll never give something to God that means nothing to me. I won't do it. I can't bring myself to do it. I can't even bring myself to do it. I can't, I mean, you know, if I've done more for myself in a fast food drive through than an offering, I mean, give me a, I'm not talking about going to like a seven course, you know, high-end restaurant. I'm talking about, you know, if I if I put something in the offering, that's that. That's less. That costs me less than a few <laughs> chalupas. <laughs> what am I really giving to God? Nothing it means nothing to Him because it means nothing to me. The third dangerous mistake that will cancel your harvest is continually giving God something that means nothing. Giving God something that means nothing. You know. Let me just say this. My wife and I have made this pact and we we live by this. I would never do anything for her and she would never do anything for me that we've not done much more for God first. You hear what I'm saying? If I have never given God a $10,000 offering in an offering plate, I would never buy my wife a piece of jewelry that cost $10,000. Never, never. I mean, if I've never given God $1,000 in an offering plate, You better believe that I'm never going to go out and buy my wife shoes, you know, that are thousands of dollars. Never, it's never going to happen. Never going to happen. If we're not putting God first, we would never put ourselves in a position where we're going to give ourselves more than we've given to God. And that's honoring God. That's not that we have a lack of love for each other, it's that we're putting God first. She's never going to go buy me. You know, I can't imagine her going out and say, you know what? coming back and we're cheap preachers that don't give, you know? And she said, well, I, well, I did today. I went and bought you a Rolex as a gift. And I look at a a watch that could be anywhere. I mean, there's such a range in Rolex watches, but let's just say she got some kind of like a used Rolex for like $6,500 or, you know, something like that. $5,500, $5,000 for a watch, but we've never put in an offering plate, anything more than a thousand dollar offering. That's reprehensible. I'm not going to take and wear five thousand dollars on my wrist, but I've never given God anything more than a thousand. You know what that shows God that the that the timepiece that's on my wrist is more important to me than His kingdom and His and the principles of His kingdom. So you got to think like this: If I want God to bless me, He's got to be first in my life. I need to do something that means something for God. I'm telling you, that, that'll help you in a massive way. Number four, the fourth dangerous mistake that will cancel your harvest is giving to God with no faith attached. And this happens. Giving to God with no faith attached. Let me explain what I mean. Giving offerings to God, but not expecting him to do anything in return. You know, will you? You know, treating it like it's just your your duty as a Christian. Well, brother, we give. The Lord doesn't have to do anything to us. We for us, we just give because you know the Bible says to give. We just believe in giving to the Lord, so we give. We don't need Him to do anything for us. If He never did another thing, right? I get I get your heart, but understand this: when you do something without the expectation of God's interaction with what you're doing, you're doing it outside of the promise of his word. Because the Bible says, I mean, think of just a few. Luke six thirty eight: Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will, will God cause men to give unto your bosom? 2 Corinthians 9. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That's verse eight. Verse six A farmer that plants a small crop gets a, a small seed, gets a small crop. One who plants generously will get a generous crop. What's it teaching us? That God responds in kind when you give. Galatians 6 7 Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever men sows, that shall he also reap. So the Bible teaches us through and through that God has a plan to return and bless those who bless him. So when you give without any faith attached, you're giving with a wrong heart. Now that, you know, it might seem like a humble heart, but that's false humility. Well, we don't need God to do anything for us. We're just doing this for him. No, he told you to do it so that he can get involved with your life, so that he can bless you. That's the, that's, you know, it's not the, God didn't set up the system of seed time. He set up the system of seed time and harvest. Because you play a part and then he plays a part. So don't cancel his part and call it love. Don't cancel his part and call it humility. God has a part to play in seed time and harvest. And if you're going to give with no faith attached, it'll cancel your harvest. It'll cancel your harvest when you don't give with faith attached that there's a harvest coming back. You know my, my pastor bishop Rick does a phenomenal teaching on this of how absurd it is to say that we don't give to get. Well, I don't give to get, brother. Oh, really? You don't give to get? So you go down to your you go down to your job and you give all your time and you don't expect a paycheck back. When your paycheck comes, you just say, "Well, no, you know, I don't give to get. I just did that to you know, that's my contribution to the corporation." Really? You don't give to get? You don't need another breath, so you don't exhale the breath that's out of your lungs to take another breath. You don't give to get. I mean, it's stupid. We do it in every area of life. We always give to get. We give to get. And it's it's just a principle. Nobody gives away from their life. I mean, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, blessing the poor or anything like that. I'm talking about, you know, no one in their right mind does that. What do you go down to the car dealership and give them a bunch of money and don't expect any car back? Well, you know, brother, we didn't give that to get anything. You know, we just want to be a blessing to the car dealership. No, the reason you go down there and pay for a car is so you can drive a car home. You know, it's ridiculous. And people have that They have that mindset. Well, brother, we don't give to get. If you're doing that, you're giving with no faith attached and it's canceling God's half of the transaction and it's actually, that's the part you want because that's when God gives back to you. So the fourth dangerous mistake that will keep harvest out of your house is giving with no faith attached. And let me say number five. Now this is different than number three. It might sound the same to you, but it's different. Number three was you give something that means nothing. Number five is you give something that takes no faith to give. Now, it may not mean nothing to you, but it doesn't take faith. You know, it doesn't take faith. If you want to see the overflow hit your life, if you want to see a financial harvest come that really, really hits your life, you've got to give by faith. I'm not talking about giving with faith attached. I'm talking about you, when you give, you expect that God blesses you back, you expect to give to receive. But what I'm saying in number five is this. You're giving something that may might mean something to you, but it doesn't take faith. You know, most people aren't gonna light a $100 bill on fire. They're not gonna light $250 on fire. You know, it's something, it, it may mean something to you, but I'm talking about doing something by faith doing something by faith that when you look at the offering that you're presenting unto God, you know this right here is going to take faith to do. When I put this, when I write this check, when I put this in the offering plate, this is going to take faith for me to do this. Why? Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For anyone that comes to God must believe that he is or that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So understand this, if you don't have faith, if what you're doing doesn't contain faith or doesn't take faith to do, that thing is displeasing to God. And then Now here's a massive principle. This is why I saved this for last because this will keep you in the overflow that when I look at what I'm going to give. Now, when I read to you 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and I I read what Paul said, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Well, yes, that's true. You've got to make the decision to give to God, but always, because giving is a massively important element in the life of every believer. So here's the deal. You have got to interact with the Holy Spirit On your giving, on your giving life. Be led. You know, we're led by the Spirit in every other area, but this is an area that we definitely have to be led by the Spirit in. You know, Lord, what do you want me to give? What would you have me to sow? Here's why the Holy Spirit knows where He's planning to take you at your next level, and only He knows what it's going to take to sustain you at your next level. So, because he knows and he's the one that made the plan, he's going to give you an instruction as to what type of a seed to sow to get you to that place of blessing. That's why my wife and I never give flippantly. We always pray. And even when I take an offering before I, I receive an offering, you know I'll, I'll, I'll pray with the congregation and say, you, you need to talk to the Holy Spirit right now. You need to ask him to give you an instruction because that instruction he gives you will put you into the overflow when you obey it. And so, I'm giving something that and here's how you know. You know, when the Holy Spirit gives you a, an instruction, a step to take, you know, you know the devil doesn't want you giving that money into the kingdom, and most likely your flesh does not want to do it. That's why you you could, you know, you you hear that instruction, and you're like, "Man, there's like six different things I could do with that money." And there's like 20 different things I could do with that money. I could pay this, I could do this, we could go here. There's all kinds of things you could do, but there's only one thing you should do, which is why the Holy Spirit leads you and guides you. And you have to overcome the resistance of your flesh in order to step into the power of the Spirit. And as you step into the power of the Spirit and obey the voice of the Holy Spirit, and that faith is activated by the seed you sow, then there's a harvest coming back that's gonna shake you when it hits you. It's gonna shake you when it hits you. You know, my uncle, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth, said this one time, I'll never forget it. He said he had people that have come to him. He said, you know, I've tried that giving, tithing, all that, it just doesn't work. You know, we gave and, you know, we didn't see any harvest coming back. And he said, well, no, that's not true. Obviously, the word of God is true and every man's a liar. So if God said when you give, you'll receive a harvest, he's not a liar, but he said this to them, which I thought was so powerful. He said, you know, the reason you think that is because the seeds that you released from your life were so small that when your harvest came back, you didn't even recognize it or notice it. And so from that, he made this statement. If you don't feel it when it leaves your life, you won't feel it when it comes back. But if you feel it when when it leaves your life, you will feel it when it comes back in the form of a harvest. And that's my desire, is that when I give, it will take faith that pleases God and that that seed will go, a large seed, a seed of faith that makes impact. And when my harvest comes back, it will make an impact in my life. I'll know that my harvest has come. I will know that my blessings have come back. That's my desire. And that's my desire for you today as well, is that you don't make any of these mistakes in your giving that would cancel your harvest Number one, step up to the plate on your tithing. Make sure that you prioritize God above all other things. Don't give in response to pressure because you're being manipulated. That'll steal your blessing. Don't give something, number three, that means nothing to you. Make sure that what you're giving God means something in your life. Number four, don't give with no faith attached, but give with an expectancy in your heart. And finally, give something that takes faith to give. As you do, God will bless you. You'll see increase come back into your life more than ever before. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening again today. I'm going to pray for you that God would give you a giving heart, that you would have a desire to be a blessing. Whatever experiences you had before uh, you connected with our ministry or you started understanding these principles, whatever religious mindsets you had, I'm praying that God washes them away by the water of his word and that you'll have an understanding of what it takes to be blessed by the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for every man and every woman listening. I pray that you'd give them a a heart of generosity, a heart of giving. Give them a desire to be a blessing in this generation and step out by faith. Build their faith. Use resources just like this. As I've spoken the word, taught the word today, let their heart be built up in faith to step out and do greater things than they've ever done in the kingdom of God and in dedication to God. We thank you, Lord, that as we do, blessings are quickly coming back. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Listen, I love you guys so much. Until next time, don't forget, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I'll talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.